So Dorothy, as the door of Dalit, Dalit means door, she she comes through the fucking the door to come into color. Uh, that's, you know, the, the point at which it switches to money if you start Dark Side of the Moon on the third roar. So the first cha-ching of money comes when she open when uh, the Empress, so to speak, opens the door. When color is introduced, when which is the same thing as, like, putting on the green glasses, right? The minute at which you are put under the spell yes. as the viewer of the movie. Yeah. Oh, suddenly, look, we've added this color to this, and suddenly it's magic. That's literally the trick from the book is I'm adding color <laughs> right? as my trick, as my illusion. That's right. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And if it's a reference to money. But I'm just saying, like, I didn't, I've never, I never thought of that before, that, like, literally, the how little that is, that the film, the filmmakers are literally perpetrating the wizard's trick. Yes. They're, they're the, 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 the wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's projecting the image of the green man, mm-hmm. of the Iowa's looking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then he's behind the green curtain as well, uh, which gets pulled open by Toto Sirius the dog, right? Um, but, uh, so, have you seen Midsummer? I have not, no. Okay. I know I'm trying to get you to watch things, and I'm I, like, if I had money, I'd be fucking asking to PayPal you to watch just a few of certain films. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Because I'm like, the tool thing, dude, in the first place. Like, you've seen Jordan Barty's oh, video. Yeah. Okay. Dude. Like, first of all, the the inhale contagion shit there. Just, you, we've been waiting fucking 11 years or something for a tool album. And this is what they give to us. And people are, and at the time when they give it to it, people don't know what it is. I'm like, I look at that and I'm like, dude, on one side of their consciousness, they know what it is. But they they're, it hasn't come into light yet. So it's like. They, it's just they nailed it, and so. But the thing is, is like with Midsummer, you have uh, all these elements from the Wizard of Oz admitted by um, Ari Aster. So the guy who directed it has has openly acknowledged the Wizard of Oz elements. Here's a scarecrow snuck in in the background and towards the beginning and all these different parts. But um, spoiler, whatever. Her boyfriend gets put into a bear when he's sacrificed. And so you ha- you basically what you have is Wicker Man, but you know how in Wicker Man it was they kill the outsider like they would symbolically at Bohemian Grove instead of killing the king, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in this you have uh, the outsider boyfriend is is uh, sacrificed, so, so they maintain that, but they also include the self sacrifice. Of, so they had to have a certain number. So beyond the people that get killed, you have people from the community itself willingly laying themselves out. So what I'm seeing in, in not just Hollywood, but in, in films, what it's like, it's almost like a pressure valve or like a, a further revealing of what the actual ritual is. And what we've gotten is these like substitute versions of it. And each time there's another big blowout of like it being that that uh, anthropological uh, king kill being represented. It's like they give you a little bit more. And so the the way that uh, tools uh, fear inoculum fits with what, like what's being communicated with uh, Midsummer 
it's like they got the they got the king because she's the May Queen, so he should be the May King, but she chooses to have him die. And so he gets sacrificed. So they kill they kill the king in a bear. I want to tell you, lions and tigers and bears, man, they kill they ki- they kill the May King inside of a fucking bear. Got you. Okay, totally. And so now the fear the fear inoculum. I just, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. Right. So yeah, I yeah. wanted to see if there I would um if the word inoculum had any other etymology than what I assumed. Mm. Right. Um so it's interesting because it's uh it's it goes to all these plants. Um but obviously it's it's modern usage is about vaccines, right? And inoculation mm-hmm. is is a vaccine. So it's like fear the vaccine. Or right. is it? So it's it's either saying literally fear the vaccine, or the vaccine is fear, or the, exactly, or you're getting here is an injection mm-hmm. of fear. We're going to fill you're going to be filled with fear, potentially for the idea of no <laughs> longer being afraid. Right. You know that in uh, Hebrew, uh, when we translate their word for fear, so they'll often in in English. I think even in King's James, they say fear the Lord. But that word for fear, it also, mean, it could, it, uh, also means awe. So to be in awe. So there's an idea in, in Jewish mysticism about reserving one's awe. So if you're going to be in awe of something, don't be in awe of fucking Babylon. Don't be in awe of like, it's like don't sell yourself short for what to say. So something's greater than you. And so you come across one thing that's greater than you and you're like, oh, I'm in awe of that. And so that's the thing with like the sun is that you'd say like the um, the w- word raw in Hebrew, like when you say raw, that's literally um, evil, it means evil. Uh, but you, the, the idea is, is that when you're relating to the two lights, so in the beginning, you know, uh, let there be light. And then later you have the creation of the sun. So the idea is 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 that there's a there's a there's there's the light that's the light itself, and then there's the sun. So when we look at the sun, we're like, oh look at how great this is, be in awe of this greatness. And it's like, no, there's even a greaterness beyond that, you know. And so the word the word fear ties into that uh, idea of being in awe of something or, or being afraid of it, you know. Oh yeah, that's um that's literally that's um. So like awe inoculum, if you're saying that the. <laughs> You're being in, injected with awe. <laughs> you know, that's another level. Shock and awe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's basically, it's like I, I just reread a bunch of uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead a few weeks ago. Which translation? And, uh, a <coughs> version I was able to find online. The, the, I had the, um, the version from Timothy Weary, Ram Dass. I had that. Uh, it was basically the psychedelic experience. Right with the reprinted uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead inside. Mm-hmm. I had that as a book that was a, a keepsake of mine, and that got ruined a few years ago in this flood that I have. Uh, a bunch of my, my hope, man, I'm missing. <laughs> like, that half the reason that, like, I stopped making sync videos, and I'd be like, oh, you... It's like, I could pick back up and work on Suicide Kings? No. Dude, I, I lost a bookshelf. Right. Okay. I mean, I, expensive books. Rare, but anyway, so I found whatever I found online. I just what I was reading. I don't know what version it was. <clears throat> okay. 
Um, but uh, where was I going with this? Oh, right. So the thing that I went back for that I wanted to like sort of reread was this idea of the um, they call the uh, wrathful visions and the uh, oh god, what is their their word for it? But um, basically, the heavenly visions or the wrathful visions. So like you might see these like beautiful gods and goddesses welcoming you and all this sort of stuff and basically paradise heaven you know from a western perspective in the bardos in the bardos right and then you might see these like fucking demons that are like with blood dripping from their teeth and all this sort of stuff and all the horrors of the world and you're seeing you know you're going through hell and you're seeing the most horrific visions and they're saying those are literally the same spirits. Those are the same things. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, That's the, the Jacob's Ladder. If you're afraid of dying, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. Precisely. So uh, when you said the, the awe and the fear, uh, that's where I'm... That's How'd you get your doctorate without reading Eckhart? That's fine. I don't know if you remember Jacob's Ladder, but yeah. <sighs> God, oh, um, no, I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I should rewatch that. It's a fucked up movie, though. Sure. Yeah, I watched, I watched same that. director as, as Lolita, the, um, the the other version of the same guy did Fatal Attraction as well. I watched that when I was pretty young, and that movie scared the shit out of me. Yeah, 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 me too. And they, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh... uh, uh there was something else I wanted to talk about, but I think I lost it. I think it related to Midsummer. Oh, uh, you know what? Just you know, so just the end of Jacob's Ladder is that it's it's actually that he got a um, was having a reaction to uh, being in Vietnam and like Agent Orange, right? Right, and then they give him uh, like what's supposed to be like a vaccine to get rid of it. <laughs> what really? And, uh, so basically, if you watch the um, the deleted scenes. Of uh, Jacob's Ladder, there's an alternate ending, uh, a section of the ending, where basically he goes home and takes this thing and then goes through, like, like it all intensifies and gets all worse, and he thinks that it's gone away, thinks that he's out of it, and then it turns out that he's still not out of it. Yeah, so basically yeah. they're like, here's your, your uh, uh, inoculum to... <laughs> to, to purge yourself up from this place. And then he goes through this crazy horrific process, and it's like, up, oh, still didn't work. Yeah, and then he uh, and then he has to go up the stairs with Macaulay Culkin. It made me just uh, that's <laughs> horrific, but also um, me realize how come no one ever refers to Donald Trump as Agent Orange? Right, I have. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. I think about it too. I think about Clockwork Orange. <laughs> It's just a matter of time, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the spring man is the green man, and the uh, the idea. Oh that, yeah, we were talking. Okay, yeah, sorry, you went. So, yeah, the idea. We were talking the, summer, right? Okay. The idea of of the Emerald City and the whole the whole green thing. Can I have I told you uh, this connection? Um, so I watched. Uh, I was going to actually watch Midsummer this spring. And instead, I saw, like, literally, I saw that, oh, Netflix had put the original Wicker Man up 
on Netflix. And it was funny because, like, man, I had looked just a week earlier. I was trying to look, like, who did anyone have it? Could I rent it on Amazon? Could I? Anything? You can watch the fucking sync film, and all the volume is like the, the the biggest complaint that people had about the new Tool album, or maybe not the biggest, but one of the things was all the space. And they just wanted to hear Maynard doing his normal, like, just fucking freak out thing. And they were like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't heavy enough for mm-hmm. them. But as a sync, it works so much fucking better. Because you can follow, even if you've never seen the movie, you can follow it completely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the it's, movie, yeah, the movie's mostly visual. Well, I mean, the, the stuff that you need to know is so, all included in, so, the, in those. Are you talking about Midsummer or are you talking about? I'm talking right, about you're talking Midsummer, Midsummer with the Tool I'm album. I'm talking Wicker Man. Okay, sorry, sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. I see. You're looking. Let me just Wicker sorry. Man. Let me back I up. Say, yeah. I was beginning of March, or so. I was literally looking. Hey, I want to. I know I'm going to want to watch Wicker Man soon. How can I find it online? And I didn't easily find it. And even on like Amazon, like Prime or like, like, you know, like renting it or whatever, it was showed as unavailable and it was just nowhere to be found in any like easy thing. And I could have like tried to do some like I'm on, you know, illegal, more illegal streaming or whatever. But I didn't even ha- I was like, well, I don't I guess I just like it's going to be harder than I thought. And it was still early. I was going to try and watch it like for March 17th. But I just wanted to check to see if it was available. So like, here's the thing. It literally wasn't available anywhere. And then suddenly come like March 15th, 16th, 17th, something like that. I signed into Netflix and I see new release, Wicker, Wicker Man. Man. Right. Because uh, applicable right now. Right. So I'm like, holy shit, they're deciding to release Wicker Man now. Right. And what I, uh, to clarify what I was saying was that when I thought I wasn't going to be able to watch Wicker Man easily, I considered, that's when I considered watching Midsummer. But instead, I see that Netflix put the original Wicker Man up, and I was like, man, I'm going to fucking rewatch Wicker Man now while I'm in the midst of this experience. And I had just released my Lion King video, and it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here I am, but quarantine has just started for me. My, like I said, my restaurant closed March 15th, so it's March 17th I'm watching this. And it's still early enough in the coronavirus thing that the, like, everything hadn't been shut down yet. But everything that was being said was just wash your hands. They just go wash your hands, 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 wash your hands. And then I, um, I, I'm watching Wicker Man, and just before they kill him, they make him wash his hands. They make him wash his hands. Yeah. And I was like, I had this like freak out moment. Oh yeah, no, I see it. Oh god. So I don't know. I don't know if if I I I love that. I wish um, Mark Leclerc was still involved with things because I just I, I miss I miss him so much in best terms of a, a sync contributor. I think he's an absolute genius. But um, you know he he had a he had a very positive response to the the doors with the Wicker Man. But like just to try and like communicate my process around that, like when I put those together, I wasn't using an editing program the first time. I literally like was like looking at the timing. I like was like, I put what I want the sequence that I want because I didn't just loop one album like I often do and see where it lands. I I wanted to have you know wait waiting for the sun, and I wanted to have Morrison Hotel, but then I'm like, and I I so I did look up the timing of the film, but I, there was no way for me to be a. I mean, I could I could have gone to the trouble to try and be exact, but it was just a total shot in the dark, just guess for the timing. 
And so I ended up doing a thing where I, okay, can I explain this? Sure, because I've it's, watched your, I did see your version and you, you used, um, it's funny, you actually used a different version of the film, it looks like, where there's this sort of um, footage up front where he's in the church. Oh, so um, what happened with the one that's online now, which is mm-hmm. different than the one that used to exist before my Vimeo account got destroyed and I lost the original file, uh, is that I uh, I spent like... Uh, uh, full maybe two maybe not full two days but I spent two days uh, staying up all night to uh, take the um, the uh, newer version of the movie and match it to the older version of the movie for timing to go through every addition a scene that had been added to the to every frame where it switches over to the other scene so the film that's up there is edited to the exact split second uh, to to take the uh, digitally enhanced version and make it the original version verbatim. Gotcha. Okay. The only okay. part that's not the same is the intro. And I left that in because it didn't conflict with where I would otherwise start the album. And so uh, w- the, what I had done when I when I first paired them, it's the start of the propeller, which is the opening shot of the film for the airplane when it's on the water. And the propeller starts up. And so I start uh, uh, Morrison Hotel there. But there's this thing where when you look at the Doors albums, they will have five songs on one side and four on the other. And it's consistent. And so you know how they have the, um, or maybe it's maybe it's six. How does it work? I'd have to look it up again. This was a whole crazy thing. So basically there's five to one, one and five. No, yeah, so it's six. It's six and five. So it'll be six songs and it'll be five songs. And so I'm looking at it and I'm thinking five to one is, you know, uh, six. One in five is still five but it's one in the five. And so the album Waiting for the Sun does not have the song Waiting for the Sun on it. The song Waiting for the Sun is on Morrison Hotel. Okay, even in in the movie, it's the Morrison, um, there's the Morrison store where they get the candy or whatever, and the child who they're looking for is named Rose Morrison. So he's there looking for Morrison. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't think about that when I decided to pair these two. Mm. And so what I did was, because of five to one, one in five, I added, wait. so even though Waiting for the Sun is the second song on Morrison Hotel, I repeat Waiting for the Sun after Waiting for the Sun album ends. So it goes directly. So there's no break. It's just, this is straight the one track directly into the other. So I, I followed that with waiting for the sun. And then I follow that with the end, the song, the end. If you do that, then this just happened. You know, I looked at the, t- at the timing, but I didn't like try and see how exactly. This is just how I set up the playlist. Cause I was watching it live. I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't doing it with an editing program years ago. And I just started at the beginning and then the fucking fade out, of the end matched to the fade out of the wicker man falling just at, at the credits. 
so like it fades into the credits um with the end of the end like experientially like and the syntax involved for me i'm like what the fuck really like that like it's just uh i couldn't have asked for a better alignment so that it's things like that that i'm like yeah i want to put this one up again and yeah i would like to get it to be the the digitally higher quality and i've done that a number of times with different films that happen with waterloo and stuff where it's like they will do a digitally enhanced version, but they'll either include extra scenes or they'll change just a couple little things around or they'll elongate it and you can push it in. So what I do is I just set up the transparency. So on the bottom, I just have the original version, the cut as it is. I'll often have to download at least three different versions of a, of a movie to make sure that the file that I'm looking at is actually the original exact timing to the split second because I don't want to... You know, because that can happen sometimes when people are digitizing something that it can change the length. So I want it to be true to the thing. I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm an absolute, absolute, I'm anal about that. And so uh, I took the, I took the uh, 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 one, and I had like with with Wicker Man, it was great because I didn't have to play around with if they in digitizing it if they elongated it or not. It'll and if you look at any Blu-ray version of a movie that's longer than the original and they haven't changed a scene uh they will never ever do it shorter it's always longer and as far as i can tell the reason why they do that is so that if somebody's looking at the approximate length of the movie they're like oh should i get this one or this one they're gonna get the one that's longer and so even if they didn't even change anything other than a, like they'll literally stretch it and that'll happen more often than people realize that when you're looking at a, at a digitally enhanced version of something, you're not looking at the original timing, but there still won't be any new scenes. Because when you stretch something like that, it's subtle enough when it's long enough that you don't notice it. It's weird, but it's true. Yeah, no, I've experienced that with a number of projects. Like, you know, you know, I do different things playing with the, the media, but I, I've definitely experienced that. Yeah, so I have to do it where I'm looking at the transparency. They need to line up exactly so I can see the one meeting the other, you know. Uh, just to say, did you, um, off the top of your head, do you remember uh, who, what the, I don't know, production company of The Wicker Man is? Like, it's the, the first thing mm. that comes up on the screen? Mm. I'm trying to remember. I should know that. It's Lion. It's something Lion. Yeah, it's British Lion. Yeah, British Lion. Yeah, there you go. But it's just like, what are like, <laughs> yeah, when I sat down this remark and I'm like, oh, God, right. Okay, here it is. Like, two seconds. Is, I'm like, I could just turn this movie off. I didn't have to watch it. Yeah. You get you get lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> <laughs> what what more do I need to know? Right. So you you remember the thing with the, the, the Masonic 33rd degree handshake of the lion's paw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lion's grip. Lion's grip. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And uh, all my heart, all my mind, all my strength, all my heart, Tin Man needs a heart, all my mind, Scarecrow needs a brain, all my strength, the uh, lion needs courage. So, uh, and the, the lion needing strength, the fearful lion, it's the knight running away from the rabbit, you know, it's like... Oh, you're saying mind, heart, hand, like literally Metropolis. Yes. The the mediator between the mind, the mind and the hand is the heart, is that yeah. not... Yeah, right? which directly so comes from the same Bible verse, yes. Right, so you're saying that uh, the lion's courage is the lion's grip of masonry? Yes. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that, I totally jive with that. And me. then you have the MGM line with the trade and the mark and the art for art's sake. You know, and the fact that MGM for over 20 years used the sample produced by Industrial Light and Magic from the Poltergeist in the movie Poltergeist when it roars. So that the, the that's in Sorry Cassandra. A lot of things are in Sorry Cassandra, but yeah, the 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 uh, roar of the the sound effect that was created for ILM specifically for the Poltergeist was used as the roar overdubbed over the MGM Lion for like over 20 years. Just fucking weird. Which they emphasize in the film, you know, to her it's just another child, but to us it is the beast, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's like that's just it when it's like stuff like that that's done so explicitly. Um, yeah, and then you have who who the the woman when you go he goes oh what side of the rainbow are we on? That's what mm-hmm. Coach Fox says. I forget the actor's actual name, but he was in that show Coach, and he, it was Coach Fox. Craig T. Nelson. Right. So he has six 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 Fox. Right. F is the sixth letter of the alphabet. O is the fifteenth. X is the twenty fourth. Six six six. But yeah, he goes he, speaking to. Um, Zelda. Uh, Zelda Rubenstein, he goes, she goes up the stairs and he goes, Oh, what side of the rainbow are we on? Definitely denoting that she's a, she's a, um, munchkin. She is in the film under the rainbow mm-hmm. with Carrie Fisher and Chevy Chase. Go Fletch, Chevy Chase. Uh, I, have you ever seen that movie? No, but I remember I can picture I'm picturing Kevin Halcott's blog post about this where like oh, he's he got screenshots yeah. and posters and so I've, so I've I've seen that. Right. Right. So um yeah, there's a there's a lot of th- all the forty twos that occur throughout Poltergeist, all that kind of thing. This house has many hearts. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, uh, like Mott. Yeah. And there's hearts all over. Oh, thing which did you? Uh, if you're watching Guava Island and you're mm-hmm. saying that um, Donald Glover is this like sacrifice kill, yes, uh, you mentioned Rihanna's in it. You just you have to remember Rihanna has a tattoo of Isis, literally the goddess Isis, the Egyptian goddess, on her chest. Oh, I don't know much about uh, about Rihanna. That's interesting. I'm saying she literally has Isis tattooed across her chest. There we go. That's so, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and, and and again, not not necessarily nefarious. I I'm. Oh no! I just I had I had just had this fucking awesome thing happen with a friend of mine, man. Where we were, we we, we can't get in an argument. It's impossible because we're we're friends. It's a really cool guy, but he was fucking had this whole thing where he was talking about Lady Gaga being a Satanist, and I kind of jumped in what might appear to some as devil's advocate, but I'm actually not being even devil's advocate. I'm like trying to explain to him that I'm like, here, man, there's this whole other level to this. Okay. You're looking at what, what happens for like when you're in the position uh, uh, as an artist and you're basically, you have to make that deal, you know, you make you make the deal to make it. You're like, okay, now you've been given a platform. Now you're basically in prison. You, you, you've become the tiger, right? So I'm like, you're put in this position, like you, you, in order to navigate that for your own safety, for your family, for fucking everything that you're doing, you have to play the game to some degree if you want to maintain your life in that platform. 
And so I'm like, dude, if you if you're what is the position of the artist? How are they going to communicate their message in the midst of that or maintain some connection to their art? And so that's why I was going into him with the subliminals. I was like, if you're talking about subversion, not everyone's on the fucking same page, dude. Like not everyone's fucking aligned. You know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily work that way. And so I, I was going back and forth with him. And then he starts sending me private messages and he's just, it's just so we're not having to do this on a public forum, you know? Because uh, he's he's like, you better be fucking ready. Shit's about to go down, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, what? whatever the case, whether Lady Gaga is a Satanist or not, what does that have to me do with me being ready? You know, what are you talking about? And so, you know, I, he's right, like, right, ask right. me how I'm doing. I'm like, well, I'm not doing that great, man. I'm like, I'm out of work and I've been trying to trim weed to get by. But, it's you know, that's not going to last forever. And I don't know what the fuck. But and so he said, hey, give me your PayPal. I'll give you some money. And I was like, what? He just volunteered that. And I was like, I don't have a PayPal. And in fact, I would much rather have a visit from a friend than fucking money. I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> And so he comes over and I fucking show I show him Metro Metropolis with fucking Lady Gaga's the fame monster. Uh, okay, and he's, here, here. he's super biased towards Lady Gaga. I'm like, that's fine. I was too, man. I was like, I still am in certain ways. I some of the stuff she does is fucking super cringeworthy. You know, I'm like, I'm not a like a fan in the usual sense. I'm just saying that there's more to this picture than this polarized she's a Satanist. I was like, there's other fucking shit going on here. And uh, what we didn't realize until after we were getting towards the end of the movie, it struck him. He was like, oh, me and this guy, we met at Burning Man when the theme of Burning Man that year was Metropolis. After the movie. And he had never seen the movie Metropolis. And so he's like watching it. And he's like, oh, my God, this is literally what's going on. Like in the world like he just he had a revelatory experience and then he and when she does the thing where she agrees to control the workers and she 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 winks or uh she covers you know she closes one eye she's like yeah i'll control your workers but she's now the robot you know i was like dude that's why lady gaga fucking does the one eye thing i'm convinced because she's named after the song radio gaga which it, admittedly which itself is the music video for is just footage from Metropolis with Queen put in it. Correct. And, yeah. Right. And so I'm just like, dude, this is the fucking thing. You're like, yeah, you want me to control the workers? Yeah, I'll control the workers. Wink, wink. I was like, that's the thing. And he's like, so, you know, it's, it wasn't about convincing him of anything. It was just about, it was so cool to not have to fucking get into a spat with a friend over whether Lady Gaga is a Satanist or not. And for my friend to actually be like, I'm coming over, you know, when I, when yeah, I asked yeah, him to, yeah. you know, and it's just like, and then he's like, I'll fucking, what do you got to show me? Just show it to me, you know? And he acknowledged, he's like, yeah, wow, holy shit. And so, yeah, that was, that was cool. I, uh, that is, that's super cool. I just want to say, like, uh, my own sort of angle of, it was like, hey, that's not necessarily enough you know nefarious and, and i'm obviously just, you know mythology is 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 pretty neutral in my mind um but i had my last computer you, what do you use a uh, pc or a mac i use a pc okay cool so you know how like when you sign into like windows or whatever when you get a computer it basically makes you like name the computer or like name the user or 
Yeah, I think it's name. Yeah, name the computer. The computer gets named one thing, and the user gets named another. Right. And then there's also the master and slave inside. But sure, not... sure, sure. But so I named my computer Isis. <laughs> so my 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 computer before that was named uh, Dinah or Diana. No, oh Dinah. really? Dinah, like Alice's cat. Yeah. So my and then I was like, okay, I wanted to play off that moon goddess sort of aspect. So I named my next computer Isis. Let me tell you something. When I, every day the news story was that the uh, like Homeland Security was coming after ISIS and right. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, they're probably like, I have no doubt my computer's been hacked by the government fucking 10 years ago because my computer was literally called ISIS. And I'm like, well, <laughs> see that on a network somewhere. And uh, so just to say like this, th- th- I have a very personal sort of um, connection with the, how should I say the, you know, when people want to lump any kind of imagery or anything into this quote-unquote satanic, you know. First off, Isis is not satanic. She's Egyptian. Right. right. <laughs> like, can we, Can we like, again, can we just clarify what we're saying here? Right, right. And, you know, Lucifer and Satan aren't the same entity, you know. But if you want to think they are, you can go, you know, you then, then that becomes that for you or whatever. You know, sure. it's just yeah. there's all these, you know. That was one of the big uh, stickler points of uh, Helena Blavatsky. And she's like, Satan is the adversary. Lucifer is the light bearer. They're not necessarily like, you know, one's not necessarily an adversary. What are we even talking about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the thing I sent you here? Um, mm-hmm. Of Rihanna? Yeah. What's so what I didn't realize name? I couldn't find it, it. Says, it says that she got it. The, the news article says uh, Rihanna gets tattoo in honor of her dead grandmother. Um. Which I thought I just thought was interesting of like this sort of like ancestry, uh, whatever. It says here in the article, it says Isis is said to be uh, the ideal mother and wife, as well as friend to slaves, sinners, and the downtrodden. I'm all three. <laughs> it depends on what your definition of is is. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So she's got a falcon on her ankle. She's got Nefertiti. I see that she, uh, something. This is other. When I just searched her tattoo thing, it looks like she's got a tattoo of Nefertiti. Even. I wonder if she got the falcon uh, on the millennium. You know, mm-hmm. it's things like this. I want to know. Uh, you know, the Eon of Horus. Uh, oh my god, dude! So I'm gonna hold on. Just hold this thought. Hold this thought. So I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Eon. Uh, Drummer uh, files restraining order. Let's see. Rihanna Drummer files restraining order. Let's see. Boom. Here we go. All right. So, this was 2018, September 2018. Kimberly Thompson reportedly claims that she suffered from Beyonce's magic spells of sexual molestation and that Beyonce murdered my pet kitten. Um, Beyonce's ex-drummer files for restraining order alleging extreme witchcraft. Over cat. 
so this is uh, here's the so Kimberly John Kimberly Thompson, Beyonce's former drummer, has filed for civil harassment shame against Beyonce. Uh, according to documents, she claimed Beyonce is practicing extreme witchcraft, magic spells, or sexual molestation to harass her, among other allegations. Thompson also claims that Beyonce murdered my pet kitten. Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, let's see. In an email to Pitchfork, Thompson confirmed that accuracy of the documents posted by the blast. Quote, all accusations I survived are real, she wrote. Um, along with her work with Beyonce, Kimberly Thompson also played drums in the Fred Armiston-led house band for the first season of Late Night with Seth Meyers. Okay, this woman, I met her in 2000. God, what would that have been? 2008 or 9 we met we like got along like basically we had a um sort of like a you know a romantic whatever connect like we had a connection with rihanna's drummer yes so i met okay so here's the deal i'm in a farm I'm, i'm buying fluoride free toothpaste <laughs> and this woman comes in and she's trying to find fluoride free toothpaste and we get into a conversation about fluoride <laughs> right uh-huh. and that's where it started it was talking about fluoride that's in New York yes in New York yeah okay. and um, we just start talking and you know throwing all these conspiracy shit and we start like, just going and going and going and then we just start like we weave the store together and we're just like walking down the street just talking and we hang out for a while and she's like hey like come hang out with me she gives me her business card she's like i'm playing uh, like you know i'm playing here um like she i do like all these like big acts but i also like play locally and all that stuff and she like wanted to keep hanging out hanging out but i was i was seeing someone I, I, don't, I don't remember if i was married at the time but i was soon to be married i was definitely in that relationship mm. So I never pursued it, but she, in that moment, I, I asked her, she said to me, um, she, she goes, uh, she tells me that she, you know, she, she performs with them and she says that she's performed with Jay-Z, Beyonce, um, I think she did something with Kanye and Rihanna as well. Um, but she, she accused, mo- accused her of witchcraft. Well, so, so this was like, but hold on, hold on. So this, I mean, this is fucking 12 years ago, right? I meet this right. woman, and this is at the point at which, like, all this, like, sort of conspiracy shit. Oh, God, I got You got to take a call? No, it's, it's, a, it's an alarm that I keep snoozing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just turn it off, and hopefully I'll remember. It's funny, because as you were talking, I was just thinking of an alarm. Gotcha. Okay. Because I was thinking of I was thinking of the opening scene of fucking uh, the um, the World Trade Center movie from uh, um, Oliver Stone that that's the because of the blueprint. So as soon as you say Jay Z, I'm like thinking first of all Jay Z, Joaquin, and Boaz. The two first letters, the J of Joaquin and the Z at the end of Boaz. And then I'm thinking about if you take the blueprint and you align it to the very end of the movie 
um, the World Trade Center movie. Uh, it may, it, you double the album and makes it so the opening shot of the movie when the alarm goes, when he hits the alarm, that's the second that the album starts. But anyway, you said alarm and then I was already thinking alarm. Sure, yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry. Um, so basically, uh, yeah, so like this is at the height of Lady Gaga, Illuminati, you know, sort of like you, you, you remember those days when like, um, I mean, obviously your friend's still into it. This is fucking all these years later. But you remember there was like a craze, like the fucking it was like vigilant citizen blog. Oh, sure, and, sure, sure. Mike. You know what yeah, I mean? Whatever. Like the fucking like satanic panic 2.0 of Lady Gaga's Illuminati, Rihanna's Illuminati. Everyone's fucking. Yeah, Illuminati. it was heavy reflection for him when they say it was the witch's fault. Let's get the witch in Metropolis. Right. So it's around that time. You know, this is like I said, this is probably like. 2008 or 9 that I'm talking to this woman. Um, God, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, sorry. I'm like, I'm like, I'm literally as I'm talking, I'm trying to like think. I'm like, okay, I know where I was. I know where I was working. What year would that have been? <sighs> anyway, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's in that rough time frame. So I asked her about like, basically start asking her questions, right? And she says to me, she's like, um, I said, hey, you, I said, you really play with these people? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, so, like, what do you think about these kind of stories about, you know, Freemasonry, Illuminati, rituals, all this sort of shit? And she's like, well, she's like, you know, my grandfather was a Freemason. So, like, we just, like this is literally, like, all the fucking street. She's like, well, my grandfather was a Freemason. You know, I don't uh, – and she, she was a, a black lady. I'm assuming he was um, – Prince Hall, uh, I don't know. She she right, looks like right. she, she could be mixed, so I don't. Actually, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, like it was again. It also added an interesting element to this, right? Of like, um, but so uh, she's like, you know, my grandfather was a Mason. Uh, I don't think that it's inherently nefarious. Um, she's like, I do have mixed feelings about it. So we get into like, we have a little bit of a Masonic conversation. She goes, but she goes uh, that she's went to an island. To perf- like she performed at some private concert with Rihanna and Jay Z and all these people at Epstein's and, Island. <laughs> who knows, right? Who knows what fucking island it was? But she's like, she goes, uh, and she goes, and they do these rituals, and she goes, and I'm really like, she goes, that's the part I'm really not cool with. And she like had, and she goes into like, you know, they do these these very specific rituals, and I told them I don't want no part of that, and. Like that, we get into arguments over it, and we have this, she has this whole conversation with me about all this sort of shit, and then fucking just a year or two ago, there's this news story that she's like, now like, stop harassing me with your magic and witchcraft, and I'm like, holy shit, man! And you, so you know the backside of that, how she, yeah, that she's it's completely genuine. It's a it's a consistent story at least. Like when right. I asked her about it, she didn't seem threatened. She said, I don't like it. She goes, I don't like it, but I have, and I've, and I've kind of like told my, I really don't want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, this was a good, you know, career move for her. And she's like, but that's when, she, that's when she sort of like switched. Like, you know, I also have my own music career and blah blah blah. And you know, I'm trying, I'm really trying to do that. I'm playing at this club on Wednesday, but you know, but obviously, she's quote unquote nobody. We're, still, we're referring to her as Beyonce's drummer, not her name. You know, right, right. Uh, and I don't mean that's being insulting. I mean that to say like, yeah, that that was her reality. So she kept. Obviously, you kept that gig, but it's a very consistent story that I literally, from this woman's lips, heard 12 years ago 
because I asked. It wasn't like she came to me and she's like, I'm being chased by the Illuminati. I said, right, right. Hey, I got you. Yeah. What do you think of these things that are being said? So I don't know, man. I have a really like that experience, that conversation, like the genuine nature of that conversation puts a really interesting spin on all this shit for me. But yeah, well, I mean, it depends on, on you know, uh, there's a lot of factors and you're like, well, you know, how do, how do things get rela- related to, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the story with my uh, sister, sister-in-law, you know, my, my sister's oh, husband's Nicholson. sister. Yeah, the thing with Jack Nicholson, but also that she was the first person to ever tell me about archetype casting. And this this was in the 90s. And uh, I, you know, I had heard long prior to this, all the recordings from her answer machine from Jack Nicholson going, hey, Shannon, it's Jack. I have to see you again. Just call after call. I we My sister had the cassette tape. We would, you know, <laughs> I don't know if she probably still has it. I don't know if she gave it back or what, or she made a copy or what happened. But anyway... Uh, you know, she told me that that when she was one of the three mermaids in the movie Hook, and she's the the green mermaid, the redhead that kisses Robin Williams to resuscitate him, and she said she got after she did that, she got offered a job, uh, a role in um, Bram Stoker's Dracula to be one of the three vampires in the bed with Keanu Reeves, and she was telling me that the that the casting agency was like, you ha- you have to do this part. She's like, there'd be certain parts where it's like, it's up to you, whatever. But they're like, no, you have to do this. And she was convinced, she told me this, that she was convinced that the reason they wanted her to do that part was because they wanted to connect the three vampires to the three mermaids. And so she she said that uh, when you go to Hollywood parties, there'll be the the party in the, in the front. You're at a big place. And these people will go to the house. They think they went to the party in this mansion. And she's like, there's the other party. There's the party behind the party. There's something else going on. And she was like, they basically have their own religion, in a sense. She didn't say religion, but she's like, they have their own uh, relationship to the media as a uh, tapestry of mythology. That they're basically creating webs of, of mythology. And that they were, they were, she was like, they, they wanted me in particular roles for symbolic reasons. Because this is their thing. That was the first time in my life I ever heard that idea. And even at the time, I didn't realize like the full significance of it, obviously, of like what archetype casting amounts to, you know, because we relate to typecasting. We're like, oh, somebody got typecasted in a role. It's like, no, it goes deeper than that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's there, there are there are instances where it seems. Again, you know, you said um, earlier when I asked you, is it intentional or not? You said both. Like, I loved, I think, um, Will Morgan's study of Andros Jones's career is a beautiful and necessary addition to the conversation because it shows shows how unintentional and unaware it can be. Oh, no, Andros has been lying to us the whole time. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, but, uh, oh, I mean, to the point that like literally, um, Andros just a few months ago did, um, some music video, like a new music video. And he got like a, like actually worked with a, you know, a little, a director and, um, a film crew and all this sort of stuff that the director came to Andros and said, Hey, I have this idea for what I want to do for your video. 
and I want to do this thing where you're in front of this mirror and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, in my mind, I'm thinking, do I tell him about Will Morgan's like video about me and how there's a mirror and everything I'm in right. and like how that's like this archetype that constantly comes up and it's like, no, I'm not going to say that. And he's like, and then I thought about like, do I contact Will Morgan and tell him about this video? And I'm like, no, let him figure it out. And like, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. like you know, anyway, I think Andras is, um, Will Morgan and Andras's relationship is an important touchstone here because it shows how it can also happen unintentionally. Right. But we don't know but that. The, if we want to speak, you know, ultimately, we don't know because Andras is an actor and there's no reason for an actor to be privy to what it is that they're actually doing with him. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a marionette well, as far as the except, film goes. Right, but I guess I'm um, – in a, the reason I brought up this new music video is because he hired a guy. Right. Hey, oh, I, I wanna... see about that specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, new, this new example is literally he hires a guy. Right. Hey, I want to make a music. I, this is this song I have. I want to make a video for it. And he gets this. Again, so I'm saying it's a small independent crew together. This is not a Hollywood production. Mm-hmm. He gets a small independent crew together. And this guy suggests using a motif that Andras just thought was hilariously like even even this guy, even this guy sees this in me. What's up with the Natalie Wood uh, potential murder on the boat? Do you know about it? I don't know any. I mean, I don't have any inside scoop. What do you? <laughs> I don't know. I thought maybe you might know so- something. I mean, you're aware of of the strangeness surrounding her death. Total, I'm totally aware. That um, a lot did of- you Did you pick up on um, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Have you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah. Okay, so you know when Brad Pitt kills his wife, but it doesn't show him kill his wife. Mm-hmm. I could r- relate that with Natalie Wood, and definitely. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, like, I actually was just, I, I was also, I was more wanting to speak to something else with that when we were talking about the Egyptian stuff with Rihanna and, and Isis, is that, you know, that scene where she goes into the bookstore and she puts her hand on the falcon, the, the horse falcon? Who who puts their hand on uh, the falcon? Oh, Sharon Tate. Oh, okay. Uh, you, sorry, you're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again? Yeah. Okay, got it. So Sorry, you, yeah, you just said Rihanna. Okay, gotcha. We're talking right. No, I was just making. I was, I'm <laughs> jumping around a bit, but it's the Egyptian. Uh, uh, that being included there, there's a lot of things in that film that you're like, this is for specific people who are alive today. Mm-hmm. Like that movie was basically made for Roland Polanski. Like Roland found out that he was that he had just finished making it. Like he didn't hear about it while he was working on it. He didn't ask for permission. He didn't do it, you know. And he got a, uh, Quentin Tarantino got a phone call from Roman Polanski saying, hey, I hear that you're making a movie about my wife. What are you doing? And he was like prepared to be, you know, for anything. And he's like, and Quentin Tarantino's response to him was, all he said is, you have nothing to worry about. And Roman said, okay. And it was a short call. And that was that. Once Roman Polanski saw the film, he loved it, you know. Um, but uh, uh, point being, like, you, you, Sharon had a whole thing with Egyptian mysticism. Uh, she was she was a serious reader. It kind of reminds me of um, John uh, John and Yoko, how they used to go to an occult bookstore, and they were the the biggest customers there, and they would order all of these books and much of them uh, Egyptian uh, magic type stuff. 
And uh, Sharon Tate was the same way. And actually, you know that thing with the the psychic who was the first person on the on the scene uh, beyond police. You know about this at at uh, at on Celio Drive. Have you ever read his trip? Of, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I don't remember anything about a psychic. No. Okay. Yeah. So one of the first people to show up on the scene after the murder, along with the police, was a was a psychic police detective. This is L.A. This is fucking weird. Yeah. yeah so that's com- It's common. More common than people think. Yeah. Than they than they think. Yeah. And the guy basically described a few things. One of the one of the things was he was saying there was a party here recently, and uh, somebody was hung upside down, and uh, I believe whipped or beaten in the space. He was like, not this. He was like, she had a rope attached to her, but she was like, this. He was saying that this event happened here, and uh, and somebody uh, basically like called in called in the devil. Like, not necessarily that it was the actual devil or whatever the fuck, I don't know. But he was like, somebody had the intention to, like, to embody the devil. And he was like, somebody who was at that party was involved in this murder. That's what, I'm not saying that this is true. I'm saying this is what the psychic said and that much. Correct. Yeah, I got you. I got you. And so, um, but one of the things that he said was, was, was high level Egyptian magic. He said there was Egyptian magic happening in this space. And, uh, it's just interesting that that's there in the midst. And then you have um, this a, a, a direct Egyptian magic reference in the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with her touching the head of uh, Horace, I guess. You know. And uh, there's a few things. One of, one of the, like when I say like this is a film like to Rowan Plansky in, in part, uh, you know, that scene where you have uh, Brad Pitt's character is with uh, the girl who goes by Pussy. You know, um, and Pussy's in the car and he asks for her ID and, uh, you know, she, he's like, well, you know, it's not, he wants to make sure that she's of age, you know, and it shows that he's got those ethics or whatever, you know, damn well that that was in there for Roman, you know, he's sending him a message, you know, um, I don't know. The, the most important line, as far as I, I can tell in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is when, um, you know, you had Susan Atkins in the back seat of the car when they're on Celo Drive, and they're, he's the uh, Tex is is speaking to the three of, of them, and he says, you know, um, uh, he said to do this. He said, do some, you know, leave something witchy or whatever, but he's like. He, he's basically saying that Manson told us to do what we're doing. And he was like, you heard him. You're not calling me a liar, are you? And in the movie, that's the only indication. We have him showing up at the house and, and uh, Manson showing up at the house and uh, w- waving with, to Sharon Tate, you know, as he's leaving. That actually happened. Um, there's a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it, it wasn't um, Jay Sebring that was at the door like they show in the movie out of respect for the guy who actually opened the door to him, who I believe uh, was the guy in cul-de-sac and, uh, and uh, fearless vampire killers. He was, he was the, uh, he was like the fourth person in their um, intimate connection. So you had JC bring uh, Rowan Plansky, Sharon Tate, and I should look it up, but this other guy, he was in the relationship basically. I mean, they were not that they were sleeping together per se, but that it was a free love time and whatever, you know, but that guy completely left Hollywood. He left the music movie industry altogether. He was so devastated over the death that he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So out of respect, it appears that Quentin Tarantino used Jay Sebring instead. 
mm-hmm. um, of him. Uh, but anyway, beyond that, most of the stuff is is pretty verbatim, except for the complete creative license at the end. Um, but yeah, that's the um, the Lana Del Rey, Norman fucking Rockwell thing. And then you know that you got Jack Nicholson's grandson on the cover of the album. Um, have, you, have, you, have you seen that? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, Jack Nicholson's grandson? Yeah, so Jack Nicholson's grandson appears next to Lana Del Rey on the cover of her album, Norman fucking Rockwell. Oh, I could picture the album cover, yeah. That's Jack Nicholson's grandson, wow. Yeah, and that's Ray Nicholson. I believe it's Ray, (laughs) which is interesting if she's Lana Del Rey. I don't know, I'd have to look that up, but I believe that's his name. Uh, Ray, obviously, meaning king. Yeah, we should check it. I might be wrong. Uh, But anyway... um, that so so that guy uh, has only been in a couple roles, um, very very few. One of them is a he's he's in a music video for the Dandy Warhols for a song called Catcher in the Rye, and he plays Holden Caulfield. Okay. Uh, the other role that he's in, which I believe I'd have to check, but I think it's the only movie role he's ever been in, is in the movie Us, filmed in Santa Cruz. And if you look, I don't know who he plays, but his name is in the credits. He's on IMDb as being in the film. Uh, And in the credits, he's under the name Tony. So he plays somebody named Tony in in the movie Us. Uh, The movie Us has a a whole uh, set of references, obviously, to The Lost Boys, film in Santa Cruz, uh, but also The Shining. There's a lot of connections between... Uh, us and and the shining especially as far as the boy is concerned for basically having the shine to him you know and uh yeah it's just it's it's strange that i'm like because you know obviously he's jack nicholson's grandson so of course they're going to cast him as something like tony you know what i mean (laughs) but but it's also highly symbolic for her for Lana Del, Lana Del Rey was all every album that she's done has just been her on the cover, just standing there. Doesn't matter, you know, every album that she's done, or that she's in the Starline bus or whatever, and it's, but it's just her. And so a lot of the fans were really upset <coughs> to see her with anybody, obviously because they're jealous because they they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is she standing next to this guy? Who, why is he going to be on the cover? You know. But it's symbolism. He's on a, a a yacht. He's on a boat with her on the album cover. They're on the front of a boat. And so where was Roman Polanski when he found out that Sharon Tate had died, but he was scouting locations for Day of the Dolphin, and he was out at sea on a boat. Not just that, but you have Knife in the Water, his first film. Uh, you have uh, uh, Honeymoon. If you play Lana Del Rey's album, uh, or excuse me, Bitter Moon, if you play Lana Del Rey's album Honeymoon with Bitter Moon, it fucking flies off the handle, and I am convinced that uh, her album Honeymoon is an open letter to uh, Emmanuel Siner, uh, Roman Plansky's wife. Um, and if you watch the pairing, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's not subtle. Um, there's a, 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 so he, so it was Jack Nicholson who cleaned up what he could of Sharon Tate's blood after the police left and after the crime scene was done before Plansky got back. And Jack Nicholson cleaned up her blood with the head of Warner Brothers. And they weren't able to get fucking Pig off the door. And Trent Reznor, who would eventually record the downward spiral um, in around the spot where Sharon Tate was actually killed, was where he produced that album. Uh, he, When he left that 
uh, he brought the door that said pig on it with him for uh, his studio in New Orleans. Uh, years later, his studio would get uh, taken out by the flood along with the door. Now, I play the Downward Spiral with Titanic. It's one of my early, early, early sinks uh, that took fucking forever to fucking figure out the timing of um, way back when. Um, but uh, there's the whole thing with the that she dies on the door at the end. You know, the, oh, what do you got? Duke Nicholson? Is that it? Duke Nicholson, yeah. The actor's grandson is Duke Nicholson. Is set to make the acting debut in Jordan. His Peele. name That's is Duke. Us. Uh, his is it saying I'm thinking his... trading places, but yeah. Uh, so th- who is who? So this is like the child of Sandra Knight. Oh, sorry. Jack Nicholson was married to Sandra Knight. So her last name is Knight, and their yeah, grandchild is named Duke. Yeah, the Duke. I had a sink around the Duke. So not Ray, years, not the king. Years ago. Oh, he's in, he's Jack. Jack Knight. Jack there Knight you go. Ray. I see it. Absolutely. Oh, God. God. Jack, the Jack and the Duke. And so that was actually my first blog post that I ever did. Um, where I was tripping out on why did you throw the Jack of Hearts away? And I was getting into, um, I don't even know if it's all there, but what the actual, what the thing is has to do with the, the decons of, um, of tarot, the specific ways in which one will actually connect to another, but it's not linear like one would imagine. So like you have the, um, the prince or the, the, what is it? The king of wands actually connects to the prince of cups i believe i'd have to look it up again but there is a connection between what would be the jack of hearts when you say the hearts are the cups and then the jack would be the prince right and so the um the astrological decons that connect to those cards show you which cards actually connect to it so you have the lizard king as the king of of wands, because he has the lizard, he's the king with the lizard yeah, by his side. Yeah, yeah, I could picture that. Or Boros lizard over his head, or whatever. And I believe I have to check, but I believe that that card in the decons astrologically from Sagittarius, Ophiuchus, or whatever, actually connects to the um, the Jack of of of, of uh, cups, um, where uh, you have the fish. Subliminal. There's a fish in the percolator. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a fish in the in the cup, looking at him coming out of the water, and then there's a subliminal fish on his headdress. In, I'm talking about the rider deck. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm talking about the lizard. Uh, oh, right? I yeah, picture yeah. it so clearly. That is a very personal. Uh, that card has a tremendous amount of personal significance for me. Cool. Um. So, speaking of which, you might be interested in this. I did a thing. Uh, I was playing with a few weeks ago. I don't know if you saw. We did. You know, I had emailed you. You were included. I don't know if you can you check your email. But we did a thing last uh, earlier this month about planning. This kind of like ritual that we did. Uh, like me, Zanor, Wally, Mark Golding, um, Joe, Guillaume, JJ. Um 
don't know if you've seen anything about it. I did send you emails. No, I didn't. I'm terrible with my emails. Uh, I know. But what I, but what I did do is I listened to your full um, recording before that while I was trimming ganja. Cool. And okay. uh, I loved it. I thought it was so fucking good. But yeah, you go. You were pl- doing at a certain point in the recording. You're going into some planning around it. And I, and at the time uh, that you set to do that, you said you're going to shoot for doing that. I had uh, what work that was available to me. I had to focus on, and so I had to dedicate my time to further trimming. So I was like, oh well, I guess that's out. But um, okay. you know, I all I wanted to say was that what I ended up my so we each got like three minutes or so. And I um, to sort of read whatever we want to read or say what we want to say. And what I ended up doing was um, mixing. A, so I took uh, some of T.S. Eliot's Wasteland and another oh. T.S. Eliot poem. And I know, like, I saw how, like, oh, I could take like this stanza from this poem and this stanza mm. from this poem and weave them together so that they tell a single story. Yeah, and then. In there, I quickly realized like these different like other ways I could weave other stuff in, and in the one that I released, since I had to trim it down just to make, you know, it was you only get a few minutes for the for the event we did on April 11th, so I only did one aspect of it, but throughout the T.S. Eliot's Wasteland, there's a whole stanza where he's talking about hyacinths, and he's going hyacinth, hyacinth. Oh, hyacinth, really? Hyacinth. So I literally did a thing where I took uh, that song and intermixed it into the wasteland, and there's, like, multiple things. So like, there's literally a whole section of the wasteland talking about tarot cards, right? Oh. And these, like, uh, there's a hidden card. So, like, I took a thing, like, oh, there's showing this hidden card that we can't see what it is, and then bring in, like, why did you throw the jack of hearts away? Oh. And, like, oh, here's a thing about this, about hyacinth, and it's like, what are they doing the highest in the house? So yeah, there's there's something. You know that that was my question for Radio Eight Ball. Remember? Why did you throw the Jack of Hearts away? That was my question. That's all I wrote on the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was my answer? Uh, was the song called "Walking Out the Door"? Yeah. Yeah. Those oh, were I remember the same that. album. And the only way what I set up for myself I was like the the only way that I'm going to show this film instead of the one that Andros is expecting me to is if the Radio Eight Ball answers my question for real. And I was like, if I get a real answer to this question, why did you throw the Jack of Hearts away? Then I'll play that instead. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. I mean that that that'll hit me very. Uh... I just yeah. wish to God that our mutual friend Andras would have appreciated my that. But it was my mistake. My biggest mistake with all of that wasn't what I did. It was that what I should have done is I should have spoke and not just pushed the button. I should have talked to Andras in front of everyone and said, here's the thing, what I just told you. I should have told him that I said, if the radio eight ball answered my question, then this is what I would do. And because I didn't do that the whole time he was watching it, he had a different experience than he otherwise would have. And mm-hmm. so that was, that was, that was my fault. I should have done that better. Well, I still should yeah. have done what I did, what I did, but I should have, um, given him the, um, the explanation to add to the 
profundity of what was happening there at that moment. Um, but whatever. Well, that, as I said, I mean, that that all has very, you know, ja- the Jack of Hearts, the um, Knight of Cups, uh, as the movie's called, right? You play the, that together. Those That is such a personal, personally significant motif I mean, and so literally watching that while I had just I had just left my wife, and I was all this sort of, and watching this guy have this experience, and that was all so personal and so intense and fucked. So like, it was so on the head that I couldn't process it. And for me, I shut down. So like, I know you guys had an argument. I know like I kind of get it, but like I need like it was never a thing for me. Because I was so caught up in how powerfully significant it was for me on a very personal w- level to watch this, to try and watch this movie that felt like my life in a way. Yeah. Um, while the whole focus is on this card that had a very personal significance for me and I, which I associated with myself during that time. Um and uh okay yeah i literally have in my um in my car right now i have a jack of hearts hanging up over my wind my visor that i found on the street once um literally someone threw the jack of hearts away oh, found a, you know wow. uh, so you know that the, the hyacinth relates to apollo no i did not know that no so yeah it's a story that has to do with the discus I can't remember it. It's been too long. But if you want to look up the um, why hyacinth is called hyacinth, I believe. Uh, but anyway, as yeah, the the meaning of hyacinth in um, in mythology in Greek mythology, it, it specifically relates to Apollo. Gotcha. That makes total sense. I mean, he's equating it with the lion and all that. Um. Yeah, to feed the lions this day. What are they doing in the hyacinth house? What's what's the sacrifice that they're doing from on high? Mm-hmm. And how that connects to I need I need a brand new friend who does who I need somebody who doesn't need me. It's a it's like a whole statement on like you know what it what it means to actually um, have a connection with somebody is with non attachment. Like I need I need the non attachment. And I'm attached to having that non-attachment. It's like it's a strange kind of statement, but um, I'm gonna. Are you? Uh, I want to look up the hyacinth story. See if I can find it. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I actually I just remembered. <laughs> it's funny. I went to look up hyacinths, and I realized there was something else I had to look up. Um. A different plant. Okay, so hyacinth and mythology. Um, uh, hyacinth um, is a divine hero and a lover of Apollo from Greek mythology. His cult at, I don't know how to say this, Amiclae, southwest of Sparta, dates from the uh, uh, Mycenaean era. Uh, a Temenus or sanctuary grew up around what was alleged to be his burial mound, 
which was uh, located in the classical period at the feet of the of Apollo's statue. The literary myths served to link him to local cults and to identify him with Apollo. Um, so then there's all these other ver these different versions of this of the story. Obviously, like we were talking about earlier, when you look at a Greek mythology, they'll change it up depending, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's a figure of Apollo Hy Hyacinth, Hyacinthus. And just that the the connection, yeah, even being as the lover of Apollo, it's still like uh, to pair that with the lion is uh, really significant. And and um, all the other solar imagery that. Morrison plays with obviously, but right. Um, Edgar Allan Poe in the poem to Helen uses the same term uh, to beautify Helen's hair. What is this? Okay, hyacinth hair is used by the poets to describe curly hair that resembles the curled petals of hyacinth flowers, which in turn resembles the hair of hyacinth himself. The term could also be descriptive of the color of the hair, either dark black or deep violet. In Homer's Odyssey, Athena gives Odysseus hyacinth hair to make him look more beautiful. Edgar Allan Poe used to Yeah. So um, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Jay Sebring, uh, who was killed by the Manson family in the same room as, as Sharon Tate, he was Jim Morrison's hairstylist. And... After he died, Morrison only had one haircut for the rest of his life. Um, I believe. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe it wasn't one. But whatever the case is, Jim Morrison had an incident where his hair got cut extra short. And uh, after that point, he never got another haircut. So, like, when his hair grew out, even his beard, he just kept growing it. Right. And uh, so it's a strange kind of thing because it's like he, he his hairstylist gets killed and then he and then he had this whole breakdown of his hair. There's a quote from Jim Morrison uh, after that happened where he says, some of the worst decisions in my life have been haircuts. Mm, hair and piece. So, right. Hair piece. And so and it connects to Samson in this really interesting way. Samson gets his hair cut by Delilah, I, uh, mm -hmm. I actually, which is actually also one of the names of one of the Manson girls. Delia, uh, Delilah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, which they would call her both. So you have Delia and Delilah. So I think in the credits of, um, of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it actually says Delia. But uh, the, for them, they had her name. That's what they referred to her as. And so it gets kind of weird because you're like, here's the connection between the lion with the bees. Okay. I have this whole thing with, with Danny Glover with repeated bee symbolism. So in every intro to the show Community, it sh I showed you that screenshot of the two bees with teeth. They're bees with teeth. Uh-huh. Yeah, I should know. Right. So the teeth. Think about, you know, what I'm saying. Like... You're and you're you, it, it, in the show. There's there's one point where he puts on a bee outfit and he's playing a bee, and then there's like another episode that relates completely symbolically where they go into a back room and you can see the bee outfits. I can't remember. I have to look it up again. But there's all this weird shit with him and bees, and I'm like, okay, so he's the Lion King. He's the voice of Simba as an adult, 
And he comes out with this album that does fucking magic with with The Lion King. It's ridiculous, especially the part where the father dies and what actually gets said right there and the buildup. It's insane. Um, but uh, I was like, I, I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, so you have the uh, hy- hyacinth as the flower, and then you have the bees in the flowers, and even so, it goes from Allison Brie to it cuts to Donald Glover in the community credits, and so Allison Brie has uh flowers springing up for her image and when it cuts when you, you're looking at one of those things that i forget what you call them but you know when you're in school and you'd fold the paper to do the they use it in waking I, life i know i can there's picture this, the credits yeah the, yeah the dream is destiny thing and so there's a sun that is drawn out in the opening but the fold next to it takes half of the sun to meet with donald glover's intro of Donald Glover's title. And so you have the sun gets split between the flowers and the bees. And so, you know, they had this whole thing around, uh, it's in the golden bow. Uh, when he, when they talk about, um, uh, the idea of like, when you'd have a bunch of soldiers die in a field and then you have the, the flowers spring up and there was this, this age old belief that the blood of the soldiers allowed for the, for the growth of the, the bounty of flowers, you know, so there's a direct connection between sacrifice and flowers. And also then you have the sun being connected then to the, it's like, it's just all right. It's just, I, I, and that's an example of something like, I really doubt that the writers are trying to be too occulty there. I mean, you never know, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's fucking strange. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, just to show you, I just, just, uh what I copied into the chat here, this is literally just um, the section from The Wasteland. Mm. You want to read it? What's that? Yeah, you should read it. I read it out loud? Yeah, yeah, read it out loud, because, I mean, we're, we're fucking recording right now, right? So. <laughs> okay, sure, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you gave, sorry, you gave me hyacinths first a year ago. They called me the hyacinth girl. Yet, when we came back late from the hyacinth garden, your arms full and your hair wet, I could not speak, and my eyes failed. I was neither living nor dead, and I knew nothing. Looking into the heart of light, the silence. Looking into the heart of light, the silence. Which would then be relating to Apollo, probably, I, I imagine. Yeah, what do you take from that? Uh, yeah, so I was I was equating this with um, the Bardo, actually. So I, I what I was weaving, I was weaving this. Um, the next sort of piece of this was. Um, Tibetan Book of the Dead and uh, the sort of like I'm okay I'm in this state of, of between life and death um, into this emptiness looking into this light uh, that that's where I was playing right. with it right um, so sort of like you have the feeding the lions from uh, Morrison this sort of sacrifice leading to this uh, <laughs> this the emptiness the the um Losing the the sensory, I could not speak. My eyes failed. I was neither living nor dead. I knew nothing. Looking into the heart of light, the silence, 
and then uh, taking from that some lessons from Tibetan Book of the Dead of how to face that nothingness. What what did it mean to face the the Bardo experience? Um, removed from what I how I was playing with it. Um, again, I do think it's very possible that Morrison is referencing this. Sure, sure, that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. I mean, that was one one of his interests. So you know, precisely. Uh, yeah. So here, um, this link. I'm sure you've probably seen this, but I consider this to be the most um, significant beyond album film stuff. This is the most significant synchronicity I've ever discovered. Is uh, when you take yeah. What I just to say, mm-hmm. what I did was inspired by the conversations we've had about this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is the the interweaving of an American prayer mm-hmm. with the Book of the Law, two yeah. little red books. Okay, yep. yeah. So, um, yeah, so you know all about this. I mean, you and I have had many conversations about this, and so that's why I uh, wanted to share with you what I was doing in just the last few weeks because um, I thought you'd totally understand, like, the the interweaving of two different texts mm-hmm. or, or like said, it's for me, it started as two texts and then I just kind of kept building on it. And then after I built on it, I tore it back down um, and went back to like a very basic idea. What I, like I said, I was like, Oh, I can only do this for three or four minutes in this recording. So I just have like trimmed out a bunch and I, I, cut out most other uh, other things that I was weaving through it but uh, just to say I definitely we've talked not only about this but how there is a thing in uh, I believe it's like within my Torah studies of doing this uh, Yeah, this made it so easy because there's a dash there's dashes throughout an American prayer and it's a, it fits perfectly inserted into the book of the law so uh, have you read this before? The two I've together? never, no, I've never read it straight through. Yeah, dude, there's crazy shit. Like, like here, you're like uh, right at the, at the beginning. You have the unveiling of the company of heaven. That's from Crowley. The line that inserts there, following it, is, "Do you know the warm progress under the stars? Do you know we exist? Have you forgotten the keys to the kingdom? Have you been born yet, nor are you alive?" But it's like things like this. Where you're like right off the bat, you're like the unveiling of the company of heaven. Do you know the warm progress under the stars? You follow me? Yeah, and then it follows with Morris, uh, with Crowley saying every man and woman is a star. Right. Literally, Crowley says heaven, Morrison says stars, Crowley says stars. Yeah. So here, check this out. When you, when you scroll down to uh, uh, the ninth, uh, it says, uh, worship then the cobs uh, and behold my light shed over you. Very next line from Morrison is the moths and atheists are doubly divine and dying. Behold my light shed over you. The moths and atheists. What do moths do? There was like that meme going around for so long of the <laughs> the moth with the lamp. Yeah. And it took me a while. I didn't get what the joke was. And then it struck me. I'm like, oh, we're the moth. The light of our cell phone is the fucking lamp. We're attracted to the light. Um, 
Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, there's what do we? There was a, a line uh, from Tibetan Book of the Dead that says like, uh, "Do not look into the." I don't think they use the word electric blue, but there's a specific frame. It basically says there's a blue light, a blue light that you should really avoid looking into while you're in the bardos. Um, and I thought that was interesting thinking of it as like the blue light of our electronic devices. Sure. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, I'm looking for one where it's at, where some, some point here, I'm not spotting it, but Crowley says, uh, nor do I demand, uh, ought and sacrifice. Nor do, oh shit. I need to find it. Um, It's basically he says he's not demanding sacrifice, and then the very next line from Morrison is "blood, blood, blood." They are making a joke of our universe. Um, here comes the goat. Yeah, your wife's in the moat, the same boat. Here comes the goat, following that a little, a little ways down. Um, I'm not seeing it. I'm sorry. worried mind there's like these sections of the book of the law where he goes on longer you know or there's this whole thing about the hierophantic task and behold you know there are three ordeals in one and he's let he says let not uh thus you have star and star system and system let uh not one know well the other and then morrison so he has this really these really long things and then all of a sudden morrison's sections get smaller in response to them and so you have Morrison is just responding to that after he says, let one, let not one know well the other. He says, oh, worried mind. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's like making, and then before that he has the short one that says, oh, girl, unleash your worried comb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does he says? Uh, Crowley has, my prophet is a fool with his one, one, one. Are not they the ox and none by the book? And Morrison responds, I'll I'll be the Irish loud, unleashed my beak at peak of powers. Says he also has in here, I'll always be a word man better than a bird man. Crowley. Crowley un, un, unleashed my beak at peak of powers. You follow? He's oh, totally. Crow yeah. in his name. Yeah, this is fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, I wanted to find the the blood, blood, blood one, because that's fucking ridiculous. Um, anyway, you can say. You can... Uh, no, so just, um, I just want to throw it here. So this is this is fucking amazing. I'm glad we're getting to have this conversation. Uh, I just realized it's after 5 a.m., and I kind of got to get moving here. Oh, yeah, um, I forgot you're, you're f- more forward than I am, yeah. Um, I just, I just, uh, yeah, I. I mean, I'm. I'm like totally in it. I just. Um... Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Do your thing. It's all good. It's two for me. So I'm on. Right. I'm on. I'm on a different yeah, trip. It's like, oh, like literally, I just. Yeah. My lady, like, sort of looking for me, and I was like, oh, I wonder what time it is, and I'm like, oh shit, it's fucking five fifteen. Yeah. I was up to yeah. like fucking six a.m. last night. So yeah, I know the. I know the score. Yeah, um, I mean, I. I don't think I'm going right to bed. I just. Um, 
anyway, man, this is has uh, been really, really fucking great talking to you. I hope this May Day Beltane weekend is a uh, a good one. Um, oh, I want to. I just want to drop one more on you while I'm here. Yeah. Um, Morrison, a hot, sick lava flowed up, rustling and bubbling. The paper face. Oh no! So I have to go before that. Sorry. He said, so Crowley has, my number is 11, as all uh, their numbers are with us. The five-pointed star, the circle in the middle, and the circle is red. My color is black to the blind, but blue and gold are seen of the scene. I, and uh, also, I have a secret glory for them that love me. Okay. Uh, very next line from Morrison. A hot, sick lava flowed up, rustling and bubbling. The paper face. Mirror mask. I love you, mirror. So he said... I have a secret glory for them that love me. And then he says, I love you, Mir. And then to the next line from Crowley is, but to love me is better than all things if under the night stars in the desert play. You know, yes. <laughs> but yeah, the fucking... <laughs> oh yeah, here's... I'm sorry. I have to, okay, so Crowley. My incense is of resinous woods and gums and there is no blood therein because of my hair, the trees of eternity. And, he, and so that Morrison, Matchbox, uh, are you more real than me? I'll burn you and set you free. Wept bitter tears, excessive courtesy, I won't forget. So Crowley's saying he's got my incense is of resinous woods and gums. Morrison, Matchbox, are you more real than me? I'll burn you and set you free. You, you follow? What the fuck? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have yeah, a question. Yeah. What is... Um... You wrote here at the very end, Morrison, the end, and then parentheses, star, inserted. Uh, the, I put in the end. I wrote the end. Because no, that's how it fit in. It's, it, the, the, when I aligned the text, there's mm-hmm. one at the, at the top that's a gap that I in, did inserted. And then at the bottom. And so he says, decree the uh, metal fox is like the last line, right? Or close got to. You. And okay. so the fox is 666. And so the other part is... Um, here, I, this is the part I was looking for that whole time before. So he says, uh, uh, you're, Morrison, your wife's in a moat, the same boat. Here comes the goat, Crowley. I give unimaginable joys on earth, certainty not faith, while in life upon death. Peace unutterable, rest ecstasy, nor do I demand aught in sacrifice. Morrison, blood, 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 blood. They're making a joke of our universe. <laughs> I don't demand sacrifice, blood, blood, blood. And before that, he goes, here comes the goat. Right before he says, nor do I mean. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Yeah, that's fucking great. Like, because I've heard, we, like I said, we've talked about this so many times. It's nice to actually have the text to sit with. And I want to actually, you know, actually just read it through. Yeah, yeah, I wanted, I was trying to figure out, I was like, is there some way that I could just, like, publish these together and get away with it, you know? I was like, because that would be so cool to have a book that just has them both, rather than these two separate books, but... Yeah, I mean, why not? Well, I mean, Crowley... Print, yeah. Print it for yourself. In the Book of the Law, Crowley says, um, attack the first, uh, attack the first part, but leave the second part unattacked. And so there's two sections to the Book of the Law. This mm-hmm. is only the first section. That was what inspired me to do the whole fucking thing. Uh, gotcha. Because I saw that and I was like, oh, attack the first part? What are you talking about? 
And then I happened to be looking at that fucking American prayer and saw the dashes. And I was like, what? I just count the dashes. And then it just did that. That's why I say I actually authentically feel that like beyond my album film stuff, this is the, the most significant synchronicity I, I've ever discovered. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Yeah, because, you know, C- Morrison's last album had Crowley on the back cover of it as a stone bust, you know, with his hands folded over it, you know, one hand over the other. And so I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's when, when you fold the, the word that's used for doing this technique, the name for this technique in the Hebrew to, the, to interweave text like this uh, is the same word that's used for prayer when you're folding your hands together. So it's, it's the, the word that you would associate normally with prayer is applied to this for that weaving. So for Morrison to have his hands like that over <laughs> the stone bust of Crowley in an, in an album that's called 13... It's the last album from uh, The the Doors uh, Beyond L.A. Woman because it was while Morrison was alive, he approved this album called 13. But anyway, yeah, crazy shit. And even he calls it American Prayer, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you have the Book of the Law, and then you have the prayer. Just like when Moses first goes up Sinai, he receives something which he smashes when he's pissed off that the people that the the mixed multitude is worshiping the golden calf, he goes back up the mountain uh, in Sinai. And so when you read it in Hebrew, uh, the second time he goes back up, it literally says that he wrote what that was himself. The first time is super elaborate, it came from the hand of God. The second time when he comes down with the laws, it's written by him. And so the whole thing with with Crowley saying that he channeled this work in Cairo and received this whole thing through this woman is like, okay, so it's a cha- he's claiming it's a channeled work. Morrison didn't claim to channel it. And so you have a reversal of the of the law from the Old Testament where you have first the first thing got got channeled, the second thing is him. In this case, you have the prophet who's claiming to channel it, and really it's coming from him. And then you got the other guy who's who's just saying he wrote it himself, and really it's coming from God knows where. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right man well you you have a good morning and uh thanks for for chatting with me yeah thanks for thanks for being around i'm really i'm fucking really glad i got to talk to you and um yeah let's do it let's do this again uh sometime soon all right man take care yeah you too